things coming up, this series and the series following it. So I'm really excited about it. Um, today's message title, Becoming a Christ Follower, is going to be out of Luke 9, 18 to 26. And we're going to talk about what it is and what it means to be a disciple and what the three commitments of a disciple are. Now, I saw this bumper sticker once. See if this, I hope this comes up. Did we get that bumper sticker slide on there? Well, it said this. It said, 90% angel. Maybe it's going to come up. I don't know. 90% angel. Anybody ever seen that bumper sticker before? <laughs> okay. So there's, there's some things that 90% of is good. Uh, 90% is pretty good in a really hard class. Anybody ever had a really, really hard class and they struggled and they got 90% and they were real happy? Oh, there it is. 90% angel. See, I didn't make it up. Anybody ever done that? Really hard class, got a 90, and you were happy. Okay, so some of us have done that. Um, 90% of a million dollars, would anybody cough at that? Or would you gladly accept it, right? Okay, so some things 90% of is good. Uh, how about um, if you're traveling and your gas tank is 90% full and you're in the middle of nowhere? You ever been in the middle of nowhere where there's no gas stations and you look down and it was almost empty and you were like, ugh. We just passed the last guy. I grew up in New Mexico. In New Mexico, back in the day, it's not this way anymore, but you used to travel, and when you left the big cities, there would be a sign, and it would say, next gas, 150 miles. They had signs like this on the interstate. Anybody ever seen those kind of signs? Okay. So it was a big deal. If you, if you got to the 150 miles to the next gas station and your tank was 90%, that was good. If it was 10%, you were like, we well, need to make a U-turn. Uh, and so you, you, you went back into town and you got gas. Now, there's times when 90%'s not good, right? Um, how about this? If, um, if your drinking water was 90% safe, would you be happy with it? Would that be good enough? Not good. Not good. 90% safe drinking water, not good. Uh, how about if a bridge that you drive over every day was 90% safe? You know, five days a week, Twice a day you drove over this bridge. Would 90% safe be good enough or would you find another way to go, right? 90% in that case, not good. Uh, anybody lose their electricity this week? We did. We, we were out for over 24 hours. What if your power were, out, were on only 90% of the time? Would that work? That would be like, that'd be a bummer, right? Because like that 10% of the time you'd be scrambling for what to do with your, with your food and you'd bring it and stick it in the freezer at church like we did, right? All right. There's another thing where 90%'s not good enough, and that is in the life of being a Christ follower. Uh, Christ calls us to a commitment that is not 90%. And the world uh, definition of commitment and, and God's and Christ, the Holy Spirit definition of commitment, those are, those are different things. There are different levels of commitment. Uh, the world commitment kind of is a, until it doesn't work for me anymore, and then I don't have to be committed to it anymore. And that happens a lot in different realms, different relationships, and different things that we see in the world. Um, the, the relationship and, and becoming a disciple and being a Christ follower is a calling from God that's 100%. He's calling us to 100% relationship, 100% discipleship, 100% followership, making him literally the Lord and Savior of our lives. All right, so let's take a look at some definitions because I want to talk about what a disciple is today. Uh, there's a couple. There's going to be three. The first one is this, uh, a committed follower or teacher of a group. 
Mark 2, 18 uh, has uh, an example of this. It says, John's disciples. Did you know John the Baptist had disciples? You probably knew that. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? So this was somebody questioning Jesus. So we can see different groups of people had different followers. They had disciples. They had people that were uh, submitting to that person and following them, John the Baptist, uh, the Pharisees, and we see Jesus, okay? So a disciple is somebody who follows and is committed to follow a teacher or a group. It also refers to the 12. Uh, We can see uh, in Scripture that there were 12 men that Jesus Christ called to follow him. We call those guys disciples. We also call them apostles. Mark 3, 14 says that Jesus appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So uh, another example uh, of a disciple is uh, specifically the 12 that Jesus Christ called. Uh, we know that later uh, Judas died, they replaced him. Uh, but these guys, these 12, these original followers were also disciples as well as apostles. The last one is a follower who meets Jesus' requirements forsaking all else, excuse me, <clears throat> to follow him. Luke 14 talks about this. Let's take a look at it. Luke 14, 25 through 27 says, Great crowds accompanied him, that's Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not, here, this is a good one, hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We're going to unpack that in a minute and find out what it really means, what he's really talking about here. But you can see that Jesus' standard of disciple followership was a lot stronger than what what maybe we're even comfortable with, right? It's first. It's foremost. It's number one. It it exceeds uh, all other relationships on this earth. It's first before everything else. Um, And then he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But a good definition, I just want to hit this real quick. It's a little bit long. Uh, You can see it on the screen. You'll be able to review it again later online if you'd like to. But a good definition for for, uh, Christian discipleship is developing a personal, lifelong, and obedient relationship with Jesus Christ That's a long one, right? Personal, lifelong, obedient relationship with Jesus Christ in which he changes your character into Christ-likeness, transforms your values into kingdom values, and involves you in his mission in the home, the church, and the world. That's long. Um, But we're going to unpack this. We're going to take time to look at this over uh, days and weeks ahead uh, because you'll see that what happens in the process of becoming a disciple of Christ is that everything's changed. Our values are changed. Our, Our motives are changed. Our priorities are changed. Uh, our very selves uh, are changed and molded as we are conformed, Ephesians says, into the image of Christ as we become followers of Christ. So let's take a look at our passage. This is for today's message. This is also going to be kind of like the overarching message series introduction. So this passage is going to follow us from week to week. And there's actually a memory verse in here that I'm hoping you guys are going to memorize, Luke 9.23. But to get the the broader context, we're going to read Luke 9, uh, starting in verse 18 to 26, and it says this. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, speaking of Christ here, it says, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and the others, uh, one of the prophets of the old who has risen. 
Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, Christ of God. And that was a, that was a confirmation that, that Christ is the Savior. Jesus then said, he, it says here, he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. This is really early in the, the walk with the 12 that, that Jesus is telling them what's to come. Listen to what he says here in verse 20, 23. It says, he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. And whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man, that's Jesus again, be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there's some standing here will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Okay, so you see here that Jesus... Is, is doing three things. He's asking them, who do people say I am and who do you say I am? That's one thing. The next thing he's kind of foreshadowing, here's something that's to come. And then this third thing, this is really where we're going to take our time, is he is unpacking the three commitments, if you will, three priorities, uh, the three most important things of what it means to be a Christ follower and a disciple. And we're going to unpack those three commitments today. It's three parts here. The first part is deny self. Anybody, that sounds great, and you're like, yes, right? That doesn't sound like fun, right? Denying yourself. We, we want what we want. Uh, we like what we like. I don't know about you, um, I hope that as you study this uh, and we talk about these things in the weeks to come, that the Lord will do a work in your heart because I'm asking him to do a work in mine because COVID has really wrecked stuff, hasn't it? Have you felt that disappointment and dissatisfaction with and maybe a longing for even the way things were. I wish I could do this thing and with this person. And, uh, you know, Lydia and I, I, I would love, I have wanderlust terribly right now. I want to leave. I want to get in my car and drive somewhere and go see something, someplace I haven't been before, find a little roadside dump diner and, and eat something that I've never tried. You know, road, you know diners, drive-ins and dives or one of those kind of places. I just want to go do something. But we can't go do that. <laughs> By and large, we're, 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 I feel like trapped a little bit. I wonder if God could use that sense that I, I, I'm assuming all of us have and everybody online that's listening, I'm assume, assuming you all are feeling the same thing I'm feeling. I'm wondering if God can use that in this message series to help us learn what it really means to deny ourselves. Because I, I've been wrestling with myself <laughs> a little bit and with God over my dissatisfaction about the way things are versus the way I think they should be when it's not really up to me at all anyway, right? And it probably most of you are feeling that same struggle and that same pull. And so I wonder as, as we struggle through this together and we see what Scripture teaches and we go through um, some different passages in Luke. We're going to be in Luke 14 in a minute, so you can turn ahead a couple pages. 
I wonder if you might ask the Father to use this sense of, of dissatisfaction with the way things are and wanting things to be the way we want them or the way they were. Uh, a- asking him to use that to show us what is true and what is real according to God, according to his will, according to his purposes. You know, we say things like deny ourselves and put God first. And does anybody struggle with that? I mean, if we're going to be honest with it, we, we would struggle. We would all say we struggle in different areas to really do that. And, and in some ways, COVID is forcing us to do that in a way that we haven't had to do it before. But maybe, just maybe, the, the, the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son can use this time in us to trim off the, the crap, the garbage, the stuff that we're clinging to while we say we're 100% into following Christ, but we're really 90% in because we're holding on to this other 10% of, I like this part of the way things work in the world, and, and I really get my kicks out of whatever this is, eating out, going on vacation, hanging out with my friends, whatever. And not that any of those things are bad. But maybe we've been getting something from those things that we should have only been getting from the Father. And so, just that's a side note, parenthetical statement. Let's see what the Father will do as we study this and see if maybe he can take this crummy, hated 2020 COVID thing and use it for his glory in our lives. All right? Are you guys with me? Let's see if he can do that. All right. I, I think he can do it. All right. Luke 14. Starting in verse 25. The, uh, you know... Just another parenthetical statement. You know in your Bible, the little titles of passages are not in the original Scripture, okay? Only the, but I like the title of this one, so I'm going to read it. But I know, and you know, this is not actually something the Bible says. It's just the title of this passage. But in mine it says, the cost of discipleship. In other words, this is going to cost us something. The, the, the 100% commitment will cost us something. Let's see what it is. In verse 25, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him. He turned, this is Jesus again, he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he laid a foundation and is not able to finish He will see, all will see, and begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is still yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wow, don't forget that last sentence. (laughs) Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And then he has a little parenthetical statement of his own. He says, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is of no use for soil or the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Uh, okay, so let's unpack that. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're covering a lot of ground in a short amount of time. First of all, um, does anybody think that Jesus really means you have to hate other people. 
Hate your parents, hate your children, hate everybody else. What do you think he was really saying? What, what do you think he's saying? He's, he's drawing a, a picture here of what? A, a comparison, right? That the level of love, commitment, obedience, and submission to the Father is so great that everything else looks like it's second rate. <laughs> I'm called as a, as a husband to love my wife. I'm called as a father to love my children. And all of us are called to different relationships that we've committed before God to have. Um, I have parents right now. You, some of you have parents. Some of you, your parents have passed on. But, but not a single one of us, I think, wants to hate a parent. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He is saying that first and foremost, our relationship with God should be, should be so great, so strong, that it is characterized by, by 100% fellowship, lordship, obedience, that whatever he says goes. To the point that if we're presented with two options, we always choose the option of the Father. No matter what that other option is, we always choose the option of the Father. It doesn't mean to literally hate. It means that all other relationships pale in comparison. We empty ourselves of everything. We release selfishness, and we ask Christ to fill us so that we are not like the bumper sticker. We're not the 90%. This is a 100% proposition. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord... This is one of my favorite verses. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. The, the eyes of the Father run to and fro through the whole earth seeking the person that is sold out to him completely to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Now, we're going to find out what he wants to do with that person in a little bit. <laughs> because another cost of the discipleship is just not the denying, but it's also the things that we're involved with uh, because the Father asks us to do them. It doesn't take trying. This is not a trying. You know, this is uh, a lot of times, if we're not careful, the Christian relationship, the things we talk about and say and do, we can couch them in terms of behavior modification if we're not careful. You have to do better. You ever been to a church where the pastor, he's like pounds the pulpit and he spits? Um, anybody ever been to a church like that? And every week you, you go out and feel like you got beat up. Some people like those. They like to go to church every Sunday and get beat up by the pastor. They, they love it. I don't think behavior modification, pastoring or preaching or teaching, uh, it, it doesn't work. Um, I don't know about you, but it didn't work uh, on me as a child, <laughs> right? Did it work? Anybody did it work on you as a child? Uh, it just that's not the way the Father is, is talking about it here. A, a very real part of the call to be a Christ follower is the call to divest yourself of things of this world. But it's not about behavior modification. If you remember the passage I put up there and the passage I read at the beginning of the surf, service, we have a part in putting off the old self and putting on the new self. But all the power, all the energy, all the desire, all the will to make that happen is all in the Father. If we submit to him, he, he takes away the old and he builds in the new. But there is, again, that very real sense that we have to learn to divest ourselves of things, comforts, pleasures, uh, things, stuff, um, maybe even uh, where we want to live. 
what we want to do in life. Maybe God has better ideas. Maybe he has different plans than we do. I guarantee you he does. He has, not that, not that if you're in a relationship, you should ditch it for a better one, but if you're not in a relationship, man, find out from the Father who that person is. Because he has a way better plan than you do. Young people. Find out who that person is. Ask the Father. Seek the Father. Let's take a look at, at Luke 9 again. So flip back a couple pages from 14. Starting in verse 57. Again, it has a title that I like. It's called The Cost of Following Jesus. Okay, so it says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, that's Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man, he's serious. You know what I get from that passage when I read it? It is if the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit says, do something, do it. And I'm bad at this, and maybe some of you are too. Somebody asks you to do something, a spouse, uh, maybe your parent. How often do you just immediately do it? And how often do you're like, I got to finish this other thing first? Be honest. How many of those, I got to do that. I got to finish what I'm working on first. I got I to do this other thing first. Anybody? Come on. I do that sometimes. Lydia will ask me to do something and I'm like, oh, I'm in the middle of something. Like, Let me finish it and then I'll get to that. And sometimes that's okay, right? Sometimes it's, it's okay. Sometimes that's not okay. But from this passage, when I read it, it, it sounds to me like Jesus said, I have told you what to do. You're going to follow me. And, and, and all these folks are like, well, I need to do this thing first. I need to do that thing first. And Jesus, it, it makes him sound like he's a little cold and harsh. I need to go bury my father. No, you need to follow me. That sounds a little cold and harsh. Uh, he's making a point here. He, he's driving home a point, And he does this by often using what we call hyperbole, exaggeration. He, he exaggerates something to the point. That's like when he says, hate your father, your mother. It's a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. He doesn't really want you to hate them. He just wants you to place Christ first. And it's the same here. Um, hey, do you, should we be able to bury our, you know, somebody who dies? Yeah. Should we be able to, before we, before we went to, to Poland, um, we spent several months traveling across the country saying goodbye to all our friends and our family and parents and siblings and stuff. And then we went to Poland and we, we moved across the sea. God didn't say you, you have to go now and you can't say goodbye. But he said you have to go, so we went, right? And that's the point. Listen to the Father. Listen to the Spirit. Uh, follow the Son and do what he says to do when he says to do it. And that's going to take uh, some discipline. It's going to take some obedience. It's going to take some attitude change, right, for us to do. So the first thing we, we do, we divest ourselves of these things and we deny ourselves, and we don't like to do that, but, but I, like I said, I think COVID's helping us with that. It's teaching us how to, to deny because you don't have any other choice. <laughs> but maybe we can learn from that about how to do it on our own. So deny yourself, and then he says, take up your cross daily. Uh, what do you think that means? 
I knew a guy. He was actually a pastor here in Chicago. And um, he decided that meant get a big wooden cross and walk around town carrying a cross around. I guess maybe that could be an okay thing. I don't know. I, and I'm not mocking him or saying it was good or bad or indifferent. But do you think that he means... In fact, Lydia will be at the door today handing out your crosses. Giant, and you've got to carry these all week long. Bring them back next week. That'd be like a good practice, wouldn't it, one time? Just like send everybody out with a cross. Next week, nobody comes back. Like, we ain't going back there again. They're crazy. He probably doesn't mean to pick up a, a literal cross, but let's see Matthew 11, 28 through 30, because he talks about carrying something. He says this, Come to me, all who are labor, who labor, and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, sometimes we think following God and being obedient and being submissive and, and being a Christ follower is taking on this heavy weight and it's just so heavy I can't carry it, when in fact it's not a heavy weight. Uh, he says his yoke is easy, that's you know, how you kind of hook up animals to pull something that's called a yoke. You put that on the animal. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. But don't miss the fact that we are connected, right? We are yoked up. <laughs> There's no mistaking the order here. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are in charge. And we are submissive and obedient. But what do we do? Take up our cross daily. I think what this means, this is, this is just another reminder for us to allow Christ to lead us 100% in everything at every moment. We allow him, we look to see where he's working, uh, we, we ask uh, to see what he's seeing, to feel what he's feeling, to be involved where he's involved. Uh, anybody do that on a daily, weekly basis? You're like, you look around and see, where's the Father working? And I know that's harder in COVID times, right? Because it's kind of hard to get out and see people and do, and do stuff. Um, but we still have opportunities to do this. This is a daily commitment. We have to purpose daily, maybe some of us even hourly, to be obedient and to follow and to listen and to look, to see where to be uh, salt and light and to where to bless others and, and where to be obedient. Um, Luke 14, 27, again, says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This requires a certain commitment, doesn't it? It can be a lot of things. It can be staying in the Word. It can be staying in communication with the Father uh, and the Son and the Holy Spirit through prayer. It can be staying connected with a church body, staying connected with a small group, staying connected with a family, other people, other, staying connected with other believers in fellowship and discipleship and accountability so that we can walk together and we can hold each other up and support one another. There are a lot of things that, that taking up our cross daily uh, envelops. And I'm not going to fill all the blanks in on that for you. I want you to think about that a little bit too. You know, go home today and think about what does it mean for me? Because for each of us, it's going to be the same and it's going to be slightly different because each of us have different lives, different responsibilities, different contacts, different influences, and, and we influence different people. So think about that. What does it mean for me to take up my cross? And if you draw a blank, ask the Father. Father, what does it mean for me to take up my cross today? He may reveal something that you hadn't thought of. He may point something out to you and say, hey, this, this is what I mean for you to take up your cross. For you, it means 
get over yourself. <laughs> For you, it means stop being selfish. For you, it means uh, do this thing. For you, it means stop hating this person and love them instead. Uh, like I said, it's going to be different for each of us. And it may, it may transition over time. It may morph and change. So ask the Father and see what He says. The last thing and, and where we get the, the genesis, if you will, for this series for Come Follow Me is that Jesus said three things. Deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Matthew 4, 18 through 22 says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, they saw, uh, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee was their father. They were mending nets, and he called to them. It says, Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I don't know about you, but these are pictures for me of what that instant obedience looks like, right? James and John are at work in the middle of the day with their dad doing stuff that fishermen do to get the boat and the nets ready to go out fishing that evening. They were very likely mending the nets so they could go out that evening to, to fish. And Jesus said, you two, let's go. And they're like, Dad, we got to go. And they went with Jesus. That is the, just, just like the epitome, the picture of instant obedience. Um, Simon, who is later called Peter, Andrew, his brother, were literally fishing. It says they were casting a net into the sea. They were like, cast the net. Jesus said, follow me. It didn't say if they pulled the net back in or not. We don't know. It doesn't say they reeled up their net and then they went with Jesus. It just said they were casting their net in the sea. Jesus said, follow me. And they were like, okay. Yes, sir. Does that characterize the quality and the, the, the speed at which you respond to the Father? When he says, do this thing. And that's personal for each of you. You've you got you to gotta think about that yourself. I can't answer that for you. For me, I can say sometimes yes and sometimes no. And probably for a lot of us, it's going to be that way. But what should it be? It should be all the time yes. Because <laughs> isn't that the commitment that he's calling us to? This is not a 90% commitment. It's not a, a 90% is not enough. Now, we're not talking about a salvation issue here. Parenthetical statement. There's a lot of those today. Another parenthetical statement. If you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you've repented of your past, you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, you know that he has saved you because Scripture says if you, if you call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that he rose from the dead in order to save you, you will be saved. He will take your sin, he will throw it as far away as the east is from the west, and he'll remember it no more and it'll be gone. And he will save you, he will clothe you, the old is gone, the new has come, scripture we read earlier, you turn 180 degrees, you begin to walk in a new direction, you are saved. The quality of your fellowship does not affect that relationship. Because it says at the time of your salvation, you're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, you belong to God. Nothing can take that away. Now, has anybody ever done a bad job following directions? 
Uh, I think we should probably all raise our hand here. Does anybody even, like men, <clears throat> you're doing a project and you buy something and you don't even read the directions first, you just start. And then it doesn't work. And then you wonder, why didn't that work? And you get the instructions out and you're like, oh, I didn't do that thing that I was supposed to do. And then you follow the directions and then it works. And then you're like, I wish I had just followed the directions. Because sometimes when you do that, it can cost you, right? A little lost time. Uh, maybe you have to buy the thing over again because you messed it up. <laughs> Anybody ever done that? No, let me, <laughs> right? The, the, these guys followed immediately. They listened to the Father. They heard the call. They responded immediately. But again, it, it doesn't, like I said, this is not a question of salvation. If you follow, if you're a Christ follower and you follow poorly, you're, God's not going to say, I'm sorry, you're not doing a good enough job. You're out. Get the, get the eraser and the Lamb's Book of Life. John Stevenson, you're out. Sorry. He's not going to do that. That's not how it works. Now, we have talked in the past couple of weeks uh, where Paul talks about entering heaven uh, uh, as through flames, where you, your, your works and your, your fellowship and your obedience and your lordship through your life at the time of your, of your death when you go to heaven is tested and the Father says, did you do what I said I, I wanted you to do? Do you, do you arrive at the, at the king's throne and he says, well done, good and faithful servant? Or does he say, man, it smells like you barely got here through hell. You smell like smoke, woo, because that's what, that's what Paul wrote. Some of us are going to get there and Jesus is going to say, is your shirt tail on fire because it smells like smoke in here <clears throat> and some of us he's going to say well done good and faithful servant it's not a question of salvation we're talking purely on a, on a this is a question of fellowship. these four guys matthew 4 immediately obedient and i think we can use that passage as something in the weeks and days to come to kind of, to, to remind us of the quality of the fellowship we need to have. When the Father says jump, we jump. We do it. Do this, we do it. We don't say, I got to do this other thing first. John 15, 5. <clears throat> Again, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that bears, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, if we don't stay connected with Christ, we bear no fruit. We're going to talk about fruit. That's the series that's coming up after this series. So we're going we're gonna to talk more about that. But our lives in Christ should show something, whether it's fruit of other new believers, whether it's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, whether these things show, um, or, or for some of us, do other things show. They're bad fruit. <laughs> They're rotten fruit. We're going to produce something. Something good for God or something not so good. Luke 9.23 in these three commitments of a disciple that he calls us to deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow him are, are a 100% ask. That's what Jesus Christ is asking you for today. 
Will you, can you give me 100%? And he'll do the rest. He will mold you. He will shape you. He will empower you. He will embolden you. He will fill you with his spirit, and the spirit will produce in you fruit that is in keeping with, you guys remember that word? Salvation, right? And that's what comes out of us. Fruit in keeping with salvation. Christ has called, and even today is calling each of us to this commitment. Um, Some of us may need to refresh it. Again, it's not a salvation issue. Uh, If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today the commitment I'm asking you to make is to go before the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and say, here I am again, 100%. A living sacrifice. Remember, Paul talked about that in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Make your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Father. Give it to Him. Allow Him to use it. We can't be honest followers of Christ if we only give 30% or 60% or 90%. That's why when we look out in the world sometimes at other Christians, they look like the world instead of Christ followers. Maybe sometimes we look at ourselves. And if we're honest, we say, I seem more like the world than I seem like a Christ follower. If anybody's ever thought that, that's why. Because you're not 100% in. The call to follow Christ and be a full-time disciple is a call to give 100%. John 14, 12 through 14, and then we'll close. It says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works... Then these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I want to focus on the first part of that. That's a a really cool statement. Jesus is is talking to the twelve, and he's and and the twelve. And I don't remember the context here, but they're probably gaga over something cool Jesus did. Just did. You know, it's like, wow, you fed the 5,000? Wow, it's amazing. You, 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 you raised this person from the dead, Lazarus from the dead? Wow, that's so amazing. And Jesus is like, you thought that was something. Wait to see what I'm going to do through you after I'm gone and I'm with the Father. I'm going to do greater things. Does that give you chill bumps? I'm going to do greater things. And so that's where we're going to close. Is God doing greater things through you right now than you see that he did in Scripture? If he's not doing greater things through you, you're probably not giving 100%. You're probably not all in. We're probably not all in. So what do we do? Anybody? Go all in. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your, for your, your word. And it, it is stout. It is direct. It is, it is tough. It is no holds bars. It's not fooling around. It is clear. It's compelling. It's scary. 
It asks us to do things we haven't done yet. Lord, it compels us to take serious our relationship with you and, and, and the quality of our obedience, the, the, the discipline of our fellowship. Lord, I pray that, that in each one of us here in this room, each of us online, anybody who's hearing this today or now or anytime, Lord, you will just, you'll just poke at us. I know one of the things Scripture says is, is that the Word of God is like, like a surgeon and it does surgery on our heart and it, it detects and it, it, it attacks and it, and it aggravates and it points out the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so, Lord, today I ask that you use your Word you use the word spoken today, the word taught today, uh, the word expressed today from your Bible to us to do surgery on us. And Lord, some of us, man, we, we waited till COVID did some surgery uh, on, on our desires and our, our needs and our wants and the things we were attached to. Um, and, and we, need, we need to let you do that surgery. And maybe COVID was a good start in helping us uh, determine some things in our life that we were maybe a little too strongly attached to. Things that were taking up a little too much of our time and energy, a little too much of our thoughts, a little too much of our money, a little too much of our energy. And Lord, we believe you can use what that has started to do something for your purposes for your will, for your good, for your glory in us. And so, Lord, over the next weeks, as we continue to unpack the idea of denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following you, Lord, um, we are inviting you through your word, through the spoken word, the taught word, the read word of God to, to, to point out and do surgery on the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart that are not right. The things that are holding us back from 100% fellowship, 100% obedience, uh, 100% um, being yours. Lord, teach us like, uh, like Peter and Andrew and James and John, when you say to do something, Lord, we just drop it and we go and we do what you say. We drop what we're doing. We drop uh, the, the thing that's in our hands and we just do what you say to do. Lord, it's going to be an adjustment. And, and I think that's what the life uh, of following Christ really is. It's a series of, adjustment, uh, of, of adjustments that, um, that, that we ask you to do and we allow you to do and we beg for you to do. And so, Lord, I think today that's what we're asking. We're in, we're in serious need of adjustment, Father. Adjust us. Change what needs to be changed. Cut out what needs to be cut out. Lord, help us to find our joy in you. Not to look back to the past and woe is me, I wish it were different, and to the future and question, I wonder what it'll be like. But instead, Father, to be with you moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, soaking in your word, being led by your spirit, and being salt and light to this world, loving our neighbors, loving our friends, loving our enemies, loving our communities, our coworkers, our spouses, our children, our parents. Lord, I just pray that you'll, you'll do something amazing in us.
through the word that you've given us today. Lord, we invite you and we ask you and we beg you to do this in our hearts and in our minds, in our lives, in our souls. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I'm going to close.